So this, this retreat of moving through, we titled it Moving Through Loss and Grief to Freedom or Toward Freedom, I'm not sure which, and I think to, um, in hindsight, I, I, we might have uh, talked about shifting that title a little bit of maybe opening to loss and grief toward freedom. Uh, but that's, that's okay. <laughs> so, mm. if we reflect on what, what brought us here to a retreat with this title and, and uh, recognizing that some of us just came because it was time for retreat and, and have found, oh, hmm, there's stuff to work with this theme anyways. Um, uh, but for those of us who, who came because of the, the topic, or in maybe in the course of being here, what is, what is showing up here with us? And um, see if it resonates for you on some level or not. If there's some sort of a desire to fix ourselves, this feels crappy. Let me see what this retreat's about. Maybe it can get rid of it. Maybe it can fix it. This is really hurting. I don't know what to do with it. Maybe there's something here. And maybe underneath that is a sense that there's something wrong with me for feeling perhaps um, numbed with, overwhelmed by, consumed with loss and grief. Is there maybe subtle or not so subtle wish to get rid of grief and sorrow once and for all? <laughs> Is there something where we came hoping to let go of, as it's often said. And not to judge that, if that is showing for you, uh, but to know, to know, oh yeah, there's there a little bit of that there. I was, I am hoping to fix myself, to cure this condition, to get rid of, So I'll say more about that as uh, the talk continues. Um, in our practices, we've been paying attention to the experience of impermanence, one of the things we've been paying attention to. Daryl spoke last night about the difference between loss and grief. Loss being this ever-flowing truth the nature of all things to arise, to have the, the flowing nature of their life, that arising and passing. Everything is like this. 
And even in what we might say the in the life of some arising, some state, uh, if we the more closely we look, we see there. There, it's all, it's all arising, passing, arising, passing, arising, passing. So, in, in particular, with the theme of this retreat, we're we're turning a little more light of our awareness, our experiencing. Um, towards the particular quality of passing away of all things. This is loss. So, you know, with the hearing awareness, hearing meditation, the sounds are constantly flowing, moving, the vibration constantly passing, changing. When we're walking, the sensation is, that sensation's gone, 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 gone. That step is gone, gone, gone. When we're eating, we might be more aware of this when it comes to dessert, the experience of loss. Oh, it's the last part. <laughs> but it's, uh, you know, that constant changing nature of of that whole experience of eating. And uh, you've probably noticed with thoughts as well, we do notice they're arising. Daryl said, you know, there is this tendency for us to give more attention to these, all the arisings of, of the pleasant and pleasant, pleasant and unpleasant, and uh, less attention on noticing the quality of, oh yeah, they do also pass. They are also, what is of the nature to arise is also of the nature to pass. You know, yesterday the thought states were like this in the meditation, or this morning, or a few minutes ago. Um, for me, uh, uh, and for those of us that are kind of visual learners, for me there, there's an image that really resonates with this experience of passing away phenomenon. Uh, you may have seen it in kind of new agey gift stores. There, there, it's like a picture frame, you know, the, this wooden frame. And, and within the frame are two panes of glass with some space between them. And within the two panes of glass is some very, very fine sand. It's usually pretty colors. This really nice sand. It has some other liquid in it as well, maybe like a water, or maybe it's more like some sort of thicker, clear liquid in it. And as you as you turn the frame, these fine, fine grains of sand just they're constantly just falling, 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 like off the edge of a cliff. Just and you can keep turning it and sifting it and watch that falling away, falling away. For me, meditating with this quality of the falling away of experience is, is, feels like that in the body, all this passing away. And it's really quite beautiful. Uh, can be. So this the loss well, you know, then I'm saying, 
Well, that's easy to say. You're talking about sand. <laughs> of course. Uh, but 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 all all the um, all the experiences of arising, passing can have this. Uh, we're just noticing that that's the nature of it. Grief is another story. Yeah, grief is another story. So grief, the Buddha, in what is known as the First Noble Truth, describes it this way. Uh, and Daryl already mentioned this word dukkha, uh, often translated as suffering or stress. Birth is dukkha. Aging is dukkha. Death is dukkha. Sorrow, lamentation, pain, grief, and despair. Association with the unbeloved is dukkha. Separation from the loved is dukkha. Not getting what is wanted is dukkha. And in short, the five aggregates affected by clinging are dukkha. So I will I'll say a bit more. Birth is dukkha. So sometimes we, we might, that might kind of strike a chord, like, that's a wonderful, joyous, that's an arising, and a, a wonderful new life, birthing, and a joyous occasion, uh, certainly. Um, but also, most of us, dare I say all, maybe not all, uh, arrive into this world um, making sounds of sorrow. And likely the person doing the birthing is making sounds of a little grief, uh, despair, <laughs> lamentation, pain at least, pain, that one, yes. Um, uh, it's it physically, uh, a diff difficult experience, a uh, birth, for for this new life coming into this breath, and um, that's that's just you know, we that's just one example of how uh, within the experience of birth there is also the experience of dukkha. Aging is dukkha. Do I need to explain that? <laughs> Aging is dukkha. <laughs> yeah. Death is dukkha. We know this. Sorrow, lament. I love this list. Sorrow, lamentation, pain, grief, and despair. And you know, he's not just being redundant here. These are all, you know, have a different quality to them. Physical pain, the mental anguish, the, um, the uh, lamentation, the beating of our breasts, the, the um, railing against. Um, association with the unbeloved means, you know, being up close in association with what we don't love, what we don't want, what we don't like. And separation from the loved. 
not getting what is wanted. And he, this ends by saying, in short, the five aggregates affected by clinging are dukkha. The five aggregates is a model that describes the experience of what I call me. These five aggregates are the, all these sense doors and how they meet the world, including the mind and the, the thought formations that arise, uh, which uh, we've been paying attention to this morning, the stories, uh, the history of what we name in our world, you know, I was told this is what this is, and it is, you know, has certain memories and associations with it. So this whole experience, which we could talk a lot more about, but we'll, this is what's called the five aggregates. The important part here is affected by clinging our dukkha. So this is what is making the difference between loss and grief, clinging, craving, not wanting things to be how they are, resisting how things are. It's, uh, um, wanting to keep what is love. So I have uh, some lenses with which to, to look at this experience that um, I've been finding helpful and uh, I, perhaps there's something that resonates for you here. That um, the experience of being in, so I'm thinking about the, the, the being in dukkha, being in grief, sorrow, lamentation, despair. And, um, you know, we don't really need to uh, describe it because uh, we all know. We're, we're, we've, we've been experiencing it on this retreat. We came with this awareness. And, um, but just to kind of uh, clarify what, what we mean by this and hear a bit more, these are some experiences. Uh, there's an author, Ken Druk, who is also a grief counselor, became a grief counselor because of his experience of his daughter dying in a bus accident while she was in a semester ab abroad program, I believe in India. And um, he describes um, being racked with pain, obsessive thinking and flashbacks, that being in grief, uh, manifests in this way with physical being racked with pain obsessive thinking this uh, kind of reflects back to what we've been talking about about the story and flashbacks another Dharma teacher and author named Sarah Conover has written about The years uh, uh, she experienced of unwittingly reenacting the loss of her parents and her grandparents who were lost at sea when she was very young. Her, 
both her parents and her grandparents lost at sea, sailing. And uh, for her, being in this grief man uh, manifested, uh, she describes it this way, this, this reenacting of her grief as abandoning others as we had been abandoned. Drowning through alcohol or drugs. And with the bunkered dissociation of grief. And uh, we, so we, we can find where we relate. How, what's, how, how has this system um, perhaps been in grief? Maybe some of these ways. And our deepest griefs, Conover goes on to, to, to say, and we know, can inscribe themselves in our bodies. You know, we're not, there's nothing, there's no separate, separate anything here. That, and, and there's even, you know, the new science of epigenetics that uh, even suggests that our genes can be affected intergenerationally, um, trauma and grief. And, and of course, this is exacerbated by our culture of silence our culture of numbing, our culture of tuning out and swiping. Swipe that away. Uh, lastly, the, uh, this is uh, another author that wrote about their experience as C.S. Lewis, who is an, uh, um, wrote the Narnia series, as well as many other wonderful books. And um, he, uh, there, there's something called anticipatory grief, which I've found interesting. I think I experience that a lot these days with regard to the environment, with regard to the erosion of rights uh, for so many oppressed peoples. And, and, and this, you know, the wave of fear and uh, violence that, you know, is affecting us. We, we feel this anticipatory fear and grief. Uh, so C.S. Lewis actually, he wrote a, a book called A Grief Observed about the death of his wife. And he actually married her when she was in the hospital dying with cancer. So there's no denying the interrelatedness of love and grief. You know, especially, you know, he was up close and personal, the love and grief of marrying right when, you know, it cannot be denied death is close. And um, I really love what he said here. He says, No one ever told me that grief was, was so much like fear. Is there a critter running around? I see lots of people being um, 
it's a, a wasp, is it? Okay. There's a pause button on this fancy machine. We'll be back. Uh, so C.S. Lewis, talking about his experience w um, of love and grief with his wife, and uh, when she died, he, he said this, no one ever told me that grief was so much like fear. I hadn't heard that before. This is very, I think, interesting. He said, I am not afraid, but the sensation is like being afraid. The same fluttering in the stomach, the same restlessness, the yawning. I keep on swallowing. It's interesting that I'm not, I'm not afraid, but the sensation feels very much like fear. Ah. But it goes on, other times it feels like being mildly drunk or concussed. <coughs> there is a sort of invisible blanket between the world and me. I find it hard to take in what anyone says, or perhaps hard to want to take it in. It is so uninteresting. Yet I want the others to be about me. I dread the moments when the house is empty. If only they would talk to one another and not to me. Maybe we felt like that in small group. Maybe <laughs> they would talk to each other and not to me. <coughs> but this, uh, these are so, so, just a few little samples of such a varied experience of what it feels like to be in grief. So many ways it can manifest, and th this is so helpful. We were talking in small group about like the feeling that like grief is a thing. This is grief, and it feels like this. I felt it like this before, but now this time it's like so different. I think it's still grief, but it's so different. And each one of us. Grief is manifesting and being experienced in this heart, body, mind, being in completely unique ways. <clears throat> that are changing. Not solid, not permanent. So this is a kind of some descriptions of being in grief. Another way that our relationship with grief can show up is um, trying to move from. And sometimes grieving lasts not for weeks or months, but years. Sometimes the reason that grief is not um, feeling uh, any, any ease, resolve, peace with grief. Whoop, he's over there. <laughs> or are you just feeling <laughs> jumpy now? <laughs> okay. Um, is because it maybe has not been sufficiently attended to. Uh, often this can happen, you know, I, I experienced this with my mom's death, who, which was quite sudden, not entirely unexpected because she wasn't a hale and hearty body, 
to begin with at that time, but it was still a sudden, sudden, very sudden. And, and then all of a sudden there's the busyness of the business that happens right after someone dies. Especially if it's in a hospital, they want that body removed and things tidied up and carted away and then you got to make start the decisions and write the thing and clear the stuff and plan the thing and it's just the busyness of the business of grief in this culture and some of us are 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 uh, really working at uh, reclaiming that experience you know, so that we can fully attend to. So when my father died, it was such a different experience because he was at home with us and he could stay with us and we could wash him, which was such a blessing, and talk to him and touch him and change his clothing and uh, just hang out and, and let, let his, his body have that time, that energy, uh, but but for me personally, it was like so healing um, to be able to sufficiently attend to my heart and to his blessed being. And further, um, I also had the opportunity to practice practice dying. Um, ceremonially and um, at a home funeral workshop and I volunteered to like be the be a body and it was so beautiful oh. oh gosh so beautiful to be washed to be whispered to spoken to you know I just laid there you know dying to myself and Jill we're gonna just I'm just going to wash your hand now in beautiful cedar waters and and uh, and then wrapped and shrouded and then lifted into a box and the lid put on and carried out. So peaceful. So this is part of um, allowing ourselves to sufficiently attend because our, uh, you know, in either directly, which does happen shockingly, directly to us, or indirectly, you know, just from our culture, or internally, have we received the message that we should move on? We should move on. It's time to move on. You know, we can get this just from body language, from friends or family, or like, wow. Um, or from our culture that likes to just swipe. Um, Mm-hmm. Oh, time. Oh, okay. Um, Ajahn Chah said it this way, there are two kinds of suffering. The suffering that you run away from, which follows you everywhere, and the suffering that you are willing to turn and face. There you will find the liberation that the Buddha taught for us all. So... Two kinds of the suffering, the suffering you run away from, which follows you everywhere. So this is that idea of trying to get away from. 
Um, there's a really excellent example of this uh, that I, of um, uh, pe people that uh, work erecting telephone poles. I can relate to this because I used to toss cabers for a little while in like uh, Celtic heavy events, which is like a telephone pole that you, you flip. But anyways, so you would think, so um, people that are like not using a machine to an, erect a telephone pole into a big hole, if they feel like that um, telephone pole is starting to fall, the instinct is to run away from it Yes. <laughs> and actually, what you want to do is move toward it and get your hands on it. Because if you run away and the pole falls, that's when you're really going to get hit with the full force of it. And if you move up to it and put your hands on it, it falls, you move out of the way. So this, I think, is a sweet analogy of moving up. We've been practicing, you've been doing this, moving in towards the grief, the loss, how things are, putting our hands on it, meaning putting our attention, our energy, our caring embrace to it. Take a moment here. Well, this also fits with the telephone pole analogy. And um, Roshi Joan Halifax talked about uh, grief this way. So you, so we've 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 got the pole in that hole now, and then we need to put in the big rocks in the hole to to ballast that that post, and. Uh, Joan Halifax describes it this way, to deny grief is to rob ourselves of the heavy stones that will eventually be the ballast for the two great accumulations of wisdom and compassion. So those big stones, wisdom and compassion. Hmm. So lastly, um, almost lastly, uh, with. So I talked about being in grief and trying to move from grief. Feel into, uh, see if you can notice the first response when I say these, uh, these words or this next phrase. What is a visceral mm, response, the embodied feeling that comes with these words. What might it feel like to love grief? Love grief. Is the first response like, what? Love grief? I don't want to love grief. What, what does that mean? Love grief. Yeah, so that uh, we, we, we know that love and grief are completely interconnected, but in, sometimes we, we feel them as opposites. You know, I love 
this person, this aspect of myself, this community, this home, this uh, work, and grief when I lose it. And perhaps a part of the transformative part of this practice is how to love grief itself. (laughs) Oh, grief is here. Hello. Come and sit. Let me set you a place. We can't let go of what we haven't let in. We can't let go of what we haven't let in. This is a mundane example, but when we've all experienced, I imagine, just this morning, was it this morning? I don't know, could have been yesterday. There was a sensation that on this side of, near the base of my neck, there was some thought formation and then the sensation accompanying. I don't even know what the thoughts were now. I didn't even know at the time really. Didn't, they weren't that consequential, but they, there was an effect. And I felt, felt this little knot there. My, the first response was to get in there like with this knuckle in particular and just like, what's that? And loosen it, get rid of it. What? You know, do you have that? Do you have any pain where you're like, what? Get it. Get rid of it. And um, that was the first response. And then it was like, oh, hello. (laughs) Come on in. Let me set you a place at the table. Put out the welcome mat. Not as a visualization. These are just words to describe the energetic, the, the experience of like, oh. All of a sudden there was this space for that to be known in. And then they got up from the table and mingled. And more, it wasn't, wasn't poking me anymore. It's just like, oh, welcome, come in. Have a seat. Let me set you a place. Oh, and then um, the release was known. So even though this is a somewhat trite example, mundane, you know, it's just a little sensation, and it it went. It, uh, it the experience of its changing nature was known pretty easily, um, this is a lot of what our meditation is. Oh, this thought is here. Oof. Oh, come. Have a seat. Let me get to know you. Hmm. Some space. All right. You know, or a sensation, or an emotion. Hmm. So being with grief is what we're pointing to in a spacious way. There's another analogy of grief that uh, went viral in the Twitterverse. 
which is, don't worry about it. If you don't know, you're blessed. Uh, so it's an, uh, an image that I have found super helpful called the ball in the box. Anybody know this? Yeah, yeah. So the ball in the box, you could picture a box, you know, just a drawing of a square, a box. And perhaps that box is, you know, this experience, this, this embodied experience. And inside that is a, a ball, a big ball that, you know, has a little bit of space around it between the ball and the box. So a circle within a square. The circle is, is perhaps the, um, the changing nature of, of our experience. You know, uh, this is happening, now this is happening. We're doing this, now I'm here. They said that, what? It's just, you know, all this rolling, moving experience of our life. And within the box is a pain button on the side. There's this red button called pain. Grief, our grief button. Pain button is here. And at first, our experience is that the ball is constantly pressing. You know, when loss happens, uh, in the beginning, the, the ball feels huge, and we can't move the box without the ball hitting the pain button. It rattles around in there and keeps hitting it over and over, and we can't control it. It just keeps hurting emotionally, physically, energetically, mentally. Sometimes it feels unrelenting and uh, inescapable. And uh, I don't know that the ball, um, yeah, so what we're practicing is making the container larger, more space, enlarging our relationship. And then sometimes, so the ball is still moving around, our experience is still moving around in our life, and sometimes we still hit the pain button but less often. You know, we, we smell something that reminds us, or we hear something that touches something. We feel something that allows something to move, and the pain button sometimes gets hit. And um, so our practice here, your practice of showing up, sitting down, making space, kind attention, is um, making the container a little bit larger so that we can actually see, well, what is this? How is it? When we have that kind of relationship with grief, uh, we can see its nature of arising and passing, not me and mine, It feels um, more ability to cope, to be with. 
without judgment, intimacy. An excerpt from Jennifer Wellwood called Unconditional. Willing to experience aloneness, I discover connection everywhere. Turning to face my fear, I meet the warrior who lives within. Opening to my loss, I gain the embrace of the universe. Surrendering into emptiness, I find fullness without end. Each condition I flee from pursues me. Each condition I welcome transforms me and becomes itself transformed into its radiant jewel-like essence. Let's have a little sit together and put out the welcome mat. Opening to my loss, opening to our losses, kind, spacious attention. This is the way toward freedom. May I open to, and may I be free from, sorrow, grief, lamentation, and despair. May all beings everywhere know the ending of Dukkha. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.